When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, well, it was a fun weekend for Lakers fans. Not particularly fun for Dylan Brooks, though. So let's talk about why it wasn't particularly fun for him, why the Lakers had success in Game 3, and what they'll need to replicate in order to continue that momentum tonight in Game 4. So over the weekend, uh, now you know what? Let's go further back. After Game 2... Dylan Brooks was asked about, you know, the way that he has been kind of going at LeBron, uh, an exchange that he had with LeBron on the court that took place in the middle of, but certainly also boosted a run that the Lakers uh, wound up going on that cut a 20-point lead down to a six-point lead. He winds up giving those now infamous comments about LeBron being old and how he doesn't respect him because LeBron hasn't scored 40 on him yet or whatever. And uh, yeah, I think that backfired. Not I think. I know that backfired. LeBron uh, was asked about those comments and you know, took his approach to it, I, I will say, as you know, with most things here with the Lakers, it trickled down, right? It uh, everybody else kind of responded to the way that he uh, took those comments from Dylan Brooks. And the Lakers went out and, and yeah, I mean, the, the, there were a couple stretches there where Memphis kind of got back into the game. Jaw was special. But for the most part, like by playoff game standards, that was a pretty thorough ass kicking. And, uh, you know, and not only was it a, a just pretty thorough beatdown from a basketball perspective, but the crowd, the crowd, uh, and, and look, I, I, this is a Lakers podcast, so I don't have to explain it to you guys, but you clearly know the reputation of Lakers fans of, of kind of fair weathery and, and all this stuff. I've always thought it was bull. Um, I've always thought that Lakers fans, when they're given a reason will show up. Um, I think it's been proven that they, they, know what good basketball looks like and they respond in a very positive way when they get to see it. Anyway, uh, Lakers fans, not only did they give him shit throughout the entirety of Saturday night's game, but while he was warming up, he was getting mocked and, and <laughs> jeered at and all of that stuff from Lakers fans who showed up early uh, seemingly specifically to give him a hard time while he was trying to get ready for the game. He winds up punching LeBron James in the nuts on purpose, uh, as as the referees decided, and gets kicked out of you know what wound up being a pretty large chunk of the game. And uh, yeah, the rest is kind of history. What's interesting, though, is uh, he didn't get suspended when 
we have seen that kind of contact usually warrant a suspension. I think in the regular season it probably does. I, I'm glad, honestly, like jokes aside, and trust me, I made my share of jokes, uh, whether it was publicly or privately, about how happy I am to see Dylan Brooks not getting suspended. But honestly, like I, I do kind of want the NBA to reset the precedent here. Uh, I, when, when Joel Embiid kicked, I think it was Nick Claxton, or tried to kick him, and didn't make contact, it was pretty annoying to see so many people out there like, oh, if Draymond gets a suspension, that has to be a suspension for Joel Embiid, and Joel Embiid didn't even get kicked out of the game, and it's like, all right, let's just hardline reset the precedent here, right? And this is the time that I can actually make this case, seeing as it's not like a Laker doing something dumb that I want the, the precedent reset on. I want, I want, look, the NBA, obviously, as a reaction to uh, the malice at the palace, has taken a very hardline stance on any kind of on-court violence. They do not want that anywhere near their sport. Thing is, we, as Americans, like violence. And and this notion that it, it, it has been basically wiped from the game where guys get suspended for like wandering off of the bench when there's some kind of an on-court altercation... Like it's gone too far. Like it's it's just it's so stupid, and everybody turns into these video detectives and narcs and freaking snitches when it comes to any kind of extracurricular activity on a basketball. Oh oh oh! Look look! Yeah, everybody's sitting here like it like kids in a hallway. Ooh ooh! Look a fight! Ooh fight fight fight! Ooh teacher teacher teacher! Ooh he's got to get suspended! Like no like let's welcome that back into the game. Let's let these guys actually hash some... Nothing's actually going to happen. NBA players don't actually want to fight. Let's bring some of that 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 passion, that fire, back into the sport. I think it's a good thing. And and every time that, you know, look, Draymond's was certainly excessive. That was probably, you know, that was worthy of a suspension when, whenever he got or whatever. But but still, like, let's 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 let these guys get heated up. Like we, we always see the complaint from old players. Oh, these guys are too friendly now. They grew up playing AAU and they don't really want to go with each other anymore. I'm like, all right, fine. But then those same people were like the the for there to be any kind of overlap in the Venn diagram of those people making that complaint and and pointing a, a finger and calling for teacher every time these guys actually get into it on the court. Like that's just hypocrisy. It's just whining for the sake of whining. So bring that stuff back. And, and yeah, I'm glad that Dylan Brooks wasn't suspended for this next game. I want Lakers fans to keep on giving him shit. I think that's great. I think it's good for the sport. People are going to tune in to see how thoroughly this guy is going to continue to make an ass of himself. And yeah, sure, he's trying to, to walk some of this stuff back. And I'll talk about that here in a bit. But I think it's good. I think it's a really good thing that like it wasn't well, it was dirty because it was a clean shot on LeBron's nuts. But like it, it, it wasn't the kind of dirty that could have seriously injured LeBron. Like that's where that's the line, right? Uh, Grayson Allen, uh, you know, going for a, a block on a play that was basically over, and intentionally knocking Alex Caruso to the ground in a way that broke his wrist. That's wrong, right? Um, I think Jokic last year, you know, hit Markeith Morris in the in the back and screwed up his neck, and uh, Markeith Morris had to miss quite a bit of time um, as a result of that contact. That was dirty. That's worthy of a suspension. When like when people are doing things that are so dumb 
that can actually and do actually get guys hurt, that's where you can step in. That's where the league could step in or should step in and 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 offer up a suspension or whatever with that. But for, you know, like Joel Embiid, he's lying on the ground on his back. You're not going to get any leverage there. He's not going to hurt Nick Claxton. Let that, like, I was happy he wasn't ejected. Um, it sucks that eventually, as a result of him not being suspended, he winds up tweaking his knee and might miss considerable time here in these playoffs. But that fight, that physicality, that violence like that's all part of what sports should be these guys are avengers let's see them do avengers stuff and occasionally that's going to to boil over and we're going to see emotions really kind of get the better of some guys and and really watch rivalries be born from those moments between plays like that's the cool stuff that you know that's where that's where you know we look back on the 80s and you have uh, Kirk Rambis getting clotheslined by Kevin McHale. And that clip gets played over and over and over again as as a part of the story, as the Lakers and Celtics in that era were, were learning to hate each other. That's good. I want these guys to feel that way. I want that animosity because these guys are competing at the highest level. The, Dylan Brooks not getting suspended on top of the fact that I think he sucks at basketball and him being there is is probably a net negative for the Memphis Grizzlies. On top of all of that, I want the animosity here. I want the Lakers to 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 send a message over and over and over again every time he steps on the court. That shit fires me up, man. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go run through a wall. Be right back. Speaking of Dylan Brooks, well, uh, he is trying to now walk back the very narrative that he is a a villain that that this is all a media creation. It is it is has nothing to do whatsoever with you know him doing stuff on the court that you know looks like we saw Saturday night when for no reason at the beginning of the second half he hauls off and nails LeBron in the junk. Uh, that kind of stuff combined with all of the trash talking and. And all of the other extra physicality he's been he's played with his entire career, while also flopping, uh, because that's part of the shtick. All of that stuff made up. We never saw any of it. Apparently, he just tries to go out there and wears his hard hat and he brings his you know paper bag lunch and tries to play basketball the good old quiet way. Uh, this is again like I just talked about in the last segment. This right here, the, the 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 him like realizing in the moment, oh dear God, this is not going well. <laughs> like this is good. This is it it you know, it doesn't kind of suck that like one of the league's kind of personalities is getting such a significant slice of humble pie that we might lose some of that, you know, personality. I guess you could like you can make that case. Um, but also that kind of personality, it needs to be earned, right? Like, uh, you look at some of the great personalities, the great shit talkers in, in, in sports history, the Deion Sanders of the world, the Gary Paytons of the world, the Larry Birds of the world, like what made them, what, what made that trash talk that much more hurtful <laughs> as it was happening in the moment was that it was getting backed up. Deion Sanders was eliminating entire chunks of the field you just didn't throw to wherever he was on a football field Gary Payton 
was super physical, literally nicknamed the glove. He was such a, a, a ferocious defender. He would rip you, and then he would tell you how he was going to rip you again, and then he'd fucking rip you again. And Larry Bird, right? Larry Bird, I think fam- uh, I, I think it was Atlanta, famously tells the Hawks, hey, I'm just going to score all my points here left-handed today. I'm probably going to finish with like 27 or so. Guess what he went out and did? Scored 27 points left-handed. He was a, he was such a cold mf'er that like it was just over uh, once he started talking. Right, he walks into the he he walks into the locker room with all of the best shooters in the world in that in that moment. Tells all of you, hey, guess what? Y'all are going for second. I got this thing on wrap already. All right, and then guess what? He goes out and he does that. So like Dylan Brooks, look man, talk your shit if you want to back it up, but clearly. He can't back it up. He's not that kind of a basketball player, right? He's not that guy. And and you know, I do I want him to do I want all shit talking eliminated from sports? Absolutely not. I just made the case for like guys not getting suspended for physicality. That physicality starts with shit talking. And yeah, like let's let's start with that trash talk, but also the people who 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 talk trash, y'all got to go up and go out and back it up, right? Um, like Kobe, Kobe, uh, one of the things that it was a funny combination of stories here, he was doing a radio hit. I think it was after he scored 81 points. Um, and, and, uh, you know, he's doing a radio hit and they're asking him about talking trash and stuff and, and how they'll see him talk to some guys and not talk to others. And he'll say like the guys that I'm talking with, the guys that I'm, I'm, I'm having a go at out there. Like, those are the guys that I really respect because I know that I'm going to talk my shit and I'm going to have to work to back it up, right? And, you know, he, he uh, said the guys that I don't talk trash to, the guys that I don't say a word to out there, don't really respect them as players. They're not really worth my time. And uh, Jalen Rose was Jalen Rose was describing the night that Kobe scored 81 points. And one of the things that he said in this really cool clip um, was that Kobe silent that night didn't say a word to anybody and and like it was just kind of funny to combine those two things but like those are the those are the uh intricacies of of the sport those are the the minor little details the the minutia that you know enrich an already beautiful game in an already incredible storylines and thrilling thrilling storylines um so i don't want dylan brooks to just stop talking altogether I want him to get good enough at basketball to be able to back it up. To this point, though, he's talked a whole bunch throughout his career while being a pretty sorry offensive presence out there. Real good defender. Like, don't get me wrong. Legitimately one of the better perimeter defenders in in the league. But also, not a bucket whatsoever. Not a concern. You don't have to worry about him. Draymond Green, you know, incredible passer. Him in the short roll is, is just dynamite, right? But he shoots like he's wearing a backpack. So, like, yeah, I, you know, when Draymond is out there talking, it, all I would keep responding with every time he shot on the court, hey, backpack, backpack, Jansport, <laughs> you know, and 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 yeah, like, has it been fun watching Lakers fans like absolutely quiet this guy down and and have him realize that eek, that was a, that was a mistake saying that stuff so brashly? Yeah, it's been really fun. Um, and, and I hope that he kind of takes this and, and, and gets better as a result of it. But in the moment, right now, glad he's not suspended. And it's hilarious that he's trying to walk back an entire 
persona that he has built for himself because Lakers fans and, and LeBron and the Lakers have given it to him as thoroughly as they have. All right, now on the actual game. Um, this is one's going to be interesting. The Lakers know going in that uh, John Morant is going to be available. So there isn't, over the last couple, right, they've had to uh, put together two different game plans depending on uh, Jaw's availability. And this one, they know going in. He played last game, played well. He is going to be out there again. So uh, the Lakers are, are, are going to once again have to deal with that. And honestly, I wouldn't tweak that much. Like, yeah, Jaw went off the way that he did. And he was getting wide open threes that he was hitting and stuff. But I would still continue to give him those wide open threes. One, if he's taking those wide open threes and you aren't closing out uh, super hard to him, he can't attack that closeout, get into the paint, and and kick out to better shooters. So him like pulling on the other side of a, uh, of, of uh, the screener there if, if uh, or when Jared Vanderbilt or whoever is guarding him goes under the screen, that's fine with me. That's cool. Uh, defense did their job. If he makes a shot, that sucks. But percentage-wise, it's it's far more likely that he isn't going to make that shot. So uh, I wouldn't tweak much in that regard. What I would do more of is is really try to get him in pick and rolls and have him, you know, force him to play defense, uh, you know, and, and wear him down that way. Uh, the, the, the Grizzlies now... With everybody else, they're doing a lot more switching. They're okay with Dylan Brooks having to guard Anthony Davis in the post. They're they're okay with Desmond Bain having to guard screeners on the roll. Like those are that's those are two physical guys with low centers of gravity that that, that the Grizzlies, you know, in, in this case, when you when you're talking about, hey, we have to give up something, that's an over the lob, over the top uh pass. Takes a while to get there. And hopefully by the by the time the ball land uh gets to AD. Uh, he isn't going up right away, and you can trap hard in, in the middle of the paint. Um, now, I, with Jaw, though, uh, they aren't doing as much switching there. He kind of has to fight through these screens, and, you know, it's it's he's not a particularly good defender, and uh, that's something that I think the Lakers need to continue to work to uh, to continue to take advantage of. So uh, I think that's that would be a focus here, and... Uh, I, I still keep saying that I would like to see Darvin Ham trim down this rotation. This next game, the game tonight, biggest game for the Lakers in multiple years, right? And they only get bigger from here, so it is kind of an intellectual trick that, that I'm doing there. But still, like this is the latest, most important game here for the Lakers. And, and you know, you lose this one and you give back home court advantage to a team that is really good at home. That is that is not something I'm particularly interested in. So in in this one tonight, I really think it makes the most sense here for Darvin. Fine, you want to throw Beasley out there and you want to see what he has going for him, playing at home in front of the home crowd. Okay, but have a quick hook and really rely more heavily on on Austin Reeves than he did in the last game. Uh, Dennis Schroeder was the first sub off of the bench in game uh, three. And, and, you know, in game two, Rui was the first sub, and I think one and two, he was the first sub off of the bench. I would go back to Rui being more of the focus there. Um, it's kind of semantic because those guys aren't subbing in for the same people, but still, like, uh, it's not really a Schroeder series, and it is very clearly a Rui series. 
So get him out there as quickly and as often as possible with as many of the starters as you can. And that's always kind of the nice thing about, you know, your sixth man, right? He is going to play with four starters. And, uh, you know, if you want to give LeBron a quick breather midway through the first and and have him ready to go for whenever uh, AD takes his breather, that's something that you can do, you know, and and, and something that Darvin did, him, did do. Uh, it was weird that he went to Dennis uh, first in, in the last game. And then the last point here, and I talked about this with Raj, uh, as, as far as, you know, kind of mental approach to this one. I thought in game three, because of all of Dylan Brooks's, you know, foolishness, uh, that LeBron showed up and wanted to make a statement right from the get-go. And uh, as a result, the Lakers played really really well easily the best that they the best stretch that they have played um in in this series certainly in the first half in any of these games in the series and uh i think the 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 way that i would approach this one if i were lebron is is do exactly that all over again try to send a message end this thing as as early as possible and then try to ride out however big a lead that you can um when whenever you build it uh and and uh you know i know that he you know, historically has liked to, especially with guys who are still trying to build experience and, and like Austin Reeves is and like D'Angelo Russell is. But, you know, at, at this stage in a game this important, I would really like to see LeBron set the tone and allow those guys to work off of him um, and, and, and sink into the rhythm of the game while the Lakers already have a lead rather than try to build that rhythm in a hard-fought, close, contested game, uh, but but we'll see how how everybody's approach to this one is. Uh, and and look, you go up three-one in a series, and unless you're playing against you know the seventy-three win Warriors, the thing is over. And and uh, I, you know and this is this is an absolute monster game. And my guess is LeBron treats it as such. All right, uh, kind of a light mailbag here this week. So reminder, uh, if you want a subject that you you know definitely want covered on the show, uh, the best way to do so is to send it in the form of a five star review on iTunes. We got it. We got to you know get this collective rating up a little a little higher than it currently is. Um, but this comes from Burger of Justice. Uh, so glad the show is back. My top podcast. Uh, from last year and probably would be this year's if there was no absence. Been an avid listener since Locked on Lakers and was super happy to hear both Harrison and Pete as guests. Uh, nobody is better at covering the Lakers. My only complaint is no one is worse at mixing audio. I swear to God, I'm trying to get better at this. Um, I don't know if it's because he, he doesn't know how or just really loves the sound of his own voice. Definitely the latter. Um, but I always strain to hear the co-host as they are two different volumes. So, um, I, this is super in the weeds here, but basically uh, the the recording service that I use is called StreamYard, and they offer an audio that they mix together, and they offer separate audios. And you know, to this point, more often than not, I can get away with um, with you know just using the the main audio that StreamYard puts together. But uh, recently, for whatever reason. Um, and I think it's an equipment thing. I got to go out and get a couple different things here um, on my end of it. But uh, for whatever reason, I have been significantly louder than I have been uh, or than I was, you know, even a few months ago. And it does kind of drown out the uh, 
the the guest. So I have been putting the two audio streams together and balancing them out, and and it is something that we are focused on on getting better with here moving forward. All right, cool. Uh, now, uh, question is, <clears throat> uh, should should we? I'm, I'm guessing Lakers fans have Lakers exceptionalism. Uh, if so, how do you justify that to non-Lakers fans? All right, so the I think there are two versions of Lakers exceptionalism. One, it, the, the, the good version of Lakers exceptionalism is what got LeBron to the Lakers in the first ba- first place, despite being, you know, coming off of the worst stretch in franchise history, right? They were tanking the way that they were. The rebuild through youth wasn't going particularly well. And, and, and yet... LeBron looked at the opportunity and said, yeah, I still want to be a Laker, right? And you can say that, you know, he, he wanted to be in L.A. and he had all the projects that he has in L.A. And, and you're not wrong, right? But he didn't choose to be a Clipper. There's a significant bump in brand awareness to players when they, when they are Lakers, especially if they play well as Lakers, right? You look at Kuz as, as uh, an example that pisses people like Spencer Dinwiddie off. Um, but Kuz is a Lakers champion. That is going to make him more famous than your average champion in the NBA. Uh, Rui Hachimura said, even while he was at Gonzaga, that he saw himself one day being a Laker. And you see how ready he is for the bright lights, and he's going to get a significant pay raise as a result of how well he's played for the Lakers. So uh, that's the good Lakers exceptionalism, the stuff that actually makes you productive. The bad version of Lakers exceptionalism is like the nepotism and the cronyism and all of that stuff. This belief that the only people who can help the Lakers be the Lakers are like former Lakers and their family members, right? That's the stuff that, you know, really kind of irks me a little bit. And this notion that the Lakers are always going to be great just because former Lakers are involved here. When the reality is, it takes a lot of hard work uh, and some really smart people to function at a high level in the, in the NBA, um, in this era of the NBA. And it's only going to get more competitive as more money cycles through this league. So um, you got to combine those things, right? You combined the, the brand awareness and that productivity and and, and all of that, and, and obviously the history and, 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 and everything that comes with it, incredible fans, uh, the biggest fan base in the NBA, one of the biggest fan bases in American pro sports, that stuff is really good. That stuff is it should be leveraged. Um, you combine that, though, like what the Dodgers have, have started to figure out, and they had a really bad offseason, so maybe it's a, a bad time to use this as an example, but the, the Dodgers are a big market team, and a big market brand that functions like a small market really focuses and invests in in you know the foundation of the organization and and you know has built this really sturdy behemoth that is pretty self-sustaining uh moving forward here. It's a quote unquote bad year for the Dodgers, and they're probably still gonna make the playoffs uh for like the tenth <laughs> year in a row or whatever crazy number it is. So yeah, I, I think uh you know, for the Lakers, I, I, Lakers fans should feel exceptional. It is the best organization, or, or it has the most history in the NBA, right? Especially most recently, where the Lakers have absolutely lapped every organization since 
uh, the the 80s when it comes to championships. And and when you're talking about, you know, what what that means and and how how that, you know, uh, resonates with with players, that stuff really matters. Now, how would I explain that to to non-Lakers fans? I think non-Lakers fans are more aware of it than I think even Lakers fans are. Like if you if you are a a fan of an NBA team and uh, you have to, you know, your team has to compete against the Lakers, you are very aware of the advantageous situation that the Lakers history puts the the organization into. And so like, I don't even know if it's necessarily something I have to explain to fans. They know they feel it. They're always concerned that their star player is going to look over and say, man, look at all those Jersey sales. I'd like a piece of that. And with quite a few of them, it does come to fruition. So no real need to explain it to non-Lakers fans. They're probably more aware of it and probably hate it more than Lakers fans. And even the Lakers are willing to take advantage of it. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Sorry, uh, you know, quick Q&A there at the very end. And uh, yeah, I cannot wait for this game tonight. As is going to be the case here moving forward through all of these playoffs, Raj and I are going to be uh, going live right after. So uh, go subscribe on YouTube, subscribe here on on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Leave those five-star reviews with questions attached and I will get to those as well. And, uh, and shoot, while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to, to Substack where, uh, you know, I'll have a piece coming out later today uh, previewing the game and discussing how much this means and, and kind of the message that the Lakers can send here, um, depending on how tonight's game goes. So until all of that, until I, I, I talk to you guys next, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.